0: Thank you very much for joining us for our Herbert Smith Freehills Competition Law Podcast series here in Asia, Unbundling Competition. This is the third of our episodes on recent competition law developments in Southeast Asia. My name is Adelaide Luke, and I'm a partner based in Hong Kong, and I lead the Herbert Smith Freehills Competition, Regulation, and Trade team in Asia. Joining me today is Ban Yong-U who is the Managing Director at Herbert Smith Freehill's former law alliance firm in Singapore, Prolegis? Barn is also an expert in Singaporean corporate law and commercial law, including competition law. In today's episode, Barn and I will focus on recent developments in Singapore. So as we've discussed in our previous episodes, Singapore was one of the first wave of countries in Southeast Asia to introduce competition laws after the Asia financial crisis. It has a very robust competition law regime, and its antitrust regulator, the Competition and Consumer Commission of Singapore, or the CCCS, is regarded as one of the most sophisticated and active authorities in the region. Ban, perhaps you can say a few words about the competition law regime in Singapore.
1: Thanks, Adelaide. The main piece of legislation regulating competition in Singapore is the Competition Act, which was passed by the Singapore Parliament in 2004. Like many other competition laws around the world, the Competition Act governs three types of activities. Firstly, anti-competitive agreements. Secondly, conduct that amounts to an abuse of a dominant position. And and lastly, mergers that have anti-competitive effects on the market in Singapore. Now, the Competition Act is similar in many respects to the UK Competition Act, with some elements from Irish, Canadian, and Indian competition laws The main difference from these other laws relates to the scope of anti-competitive agreements governed by the Competition Act. For example, under the Act, vertical agreements are expressly excluded from the prohibition on anti-competitive agreements. By vertical agreements, I mean agreements between parties at different levels of the supply chain. So, for example, between a supplier and a customer or a wholesaler and a retailer. These are excluded because restrictions in vertical agreements are generally considered to have a pro-competitive purpose that outweighs the potential anti-competitive effects. However, this also means that certain types of vertical restrictions that are unlawful in the UK and elsewhere, for example, resale price maintenance are not prohibited in Singapore unless they also amount to an abuse of dominance.
0: Thanks, Bon. And, And what about merger control? I know that Singapore is relatively unique in having a voluntary merger filing regime. In other words, unlike China or the EU, for example, there's no mandatory requirement for merging parties to notify their deals to the CCCS or to wait for merger clearance. In this respect, it's also like the UK and a small number of other countries like Australia. Are there any key differences?
1: Well, I think one is that as a consequence of the voluntary nature of the merger control rules uh, and the relatively small size of the single market, very few companies actually submit filings to the CCCS. I know that in the UK, in spite of merger filing being voluntary, a lot of companies do choose to make filings anyway in the interest of certainty. By contrast, there were only four filings made to the CCCS in all of 2019. Now, that said, there is a question as to how voluntary the regime is in practice. Section 54 of our Competition Act says that mergers that have or may result in a substantial lessening of competition, which really is the same test as under the UK Act, are prohibited. Um, Back in 2018, uh, the CCCS investigated grabs acquisition of Uber's Southeast Asian businesses Uh, which had been completed without being notified to the CCCS. In that case, the CCCS found that the deal would lead to a substantial lessening of competition, and therefore, by completing the transaction, Grab had breached the Section 54 prohibition. It fined Grab around 30 million Singapore dollars as a consequence. So in some bigger deals, we may see more parties notifying out of caution in order to avoid similar penalties
0: and, and what about the CCCS itself? What does it do and what are its enforcement priorities?
1: Uh, w- well, in general, the CCCS is responsible for administering and enforcing the Competition Act. It has brought of powers to investigate, you know, to prosecute, adjudicate, and enforce decisions in its investigations. It's a very well-funded regulator and has just about 100 staff which... If you think about it, it's quite large considering the size of Singapore. Uh, it also imposes quite substantial fines in comparison with other regulators in the region. In 2018, for example, it imposed almost 50 million Singapore dollars in cartel fines. Um, and the other point to note is that the CCCS is generally regarded as quite a sophisticated professional and thought thinking regulator. It's transparent in terms of its processes and decision making and generally efficient in true Singapore style in reaching decisions, although it can take some time in merger control decisions. Now, Now I think in terms of its enforcement priorities, the CCCS has a structured process to set goals and priorities each year, including how best to respond to emerging regional and global trends. So I think its enforcement priorities are quite dynamic. For the last several years, um, it's had a big focus on digital sector and digital platforms.
0: And, And that's obviously a focus area for a lot of competition authorities at the moment, including in the region. Competition authorities in Japan, Korea, and Australia, for example, have been investigating digital platforms and the manner in which they publish advertising and news. They've also been considering whether there are any unique characteristics of the digital sector, or whether their existing toolkits are adequate to deal with the issues that arise. What steps has the CCCS taken on this front?
1: Yes, that's quite topical, Uh, and the CCCS has been particularly focused on e-commerce and its impact on competition in Singapore. So for example, it commissioned an independent study on e-commerce back in 2015, which concluded in September this year. And that study concludes that Singapore's competition framework does, doesn't really face any major competition concerns arising from these e-commerce platforms, which is maybe not so surprising given that vertical agreements are exempted from the restrictions under the Competition Act. Uh, but the study does cast some additional insights on issues that are currently under heated debate in a number of jurisdictions, you know, for example, the relationship between data and competition. Uh, and, and following on from the study, uh, the CCCS has also published new guidance on how it will assess market definition and market power in this area. At least in Southeast Asia, uh, the CCCS is probably the leading competition authority looking at the digital sector. So I think it's likely that both the study and the subsequent guidance uh, will be referenced and potentially followed by other regulators in the region. For companies that are involved in e-commerce in the region, either as platforms or just to get their products to market, it's worthwhile looking at the study, and I think it will be a handy guide.
0: Thanks very much, Barn. And I think you raise an important point about the CCCS being a regional leader. In our first podcast in this series, we talked about how all of the ASEAN member states have gradually been implementing competition laws under the ASEAN Economic Community Blueprint and how the blueprint encourages cooperation and the sharing of best practices amongst the member states. I mean, our sense is that the CCCS is really one of the driving forces behind this and that it started to provide training and even seconding staff to other regulators in the region You mentioned the Grab Uber transaction a moment ago, and this is one that was investigated beyond Singapore, of course. Regulators in the Philippines, Malaysia, and Vietnam also investigated the transaction, which had similarly not been notified under the merger control rules in those countries. But the regulators did seem to take a coordinated approach to their investigations, sharing information on evidence, exchanging views on theories of harm, moving to a similar timetable, and ultimately reaching decisions at around the same time. And they, those decisions generally involved fines and various conditions being imposed. What we understand is that the CCCS took a leading role in coordinating that sort of cooperation. And I think this is likely to be a trend in future investigations, too. Well, look, thank you very much, Bun, for your time today. I know we've barely scratched the surface of the Singapore competition regime, as well as what the CCCS has been doing. So if any of our listeners have further questions, please do get in touch. We'd love to discuss the developments with you. Thank you very much for listening today. We look forward to having you join us next time.